certainly a very dangerous behavior. Tonight, hitching a ride. The details behind this shocking video captured along a major GTA highway early this morning. Good evening. We'll bring you that story shortly. But we begin with the investigation into a chilling threat of a mass shooting issued to half a dozen schools across Mississauga and Brampton. Whether it's a hoax or not, there's plenty of concern among families and teachers tonight. CTV's Janice Golding is live from one of the threatened schools. Janice, what are you hearing? Hi, Nathan. Well, we heard both concern and skepticism from students and parents today about an online threat of gun violence at two public and four Catholic schools in Peel Region. A threat both school boards as well as Peel Regional Police say they're taking very seriously. I don't want to get shot. Online threats of gun violence dominated lunch hour conversation outside Notre Dame Secondary School today. Students mulling over a threat issued to their school and five others in Peel Region to shoot them up on Friday, March the 10th. I think it's just all a hoax. Some people think that it's a joke, but like now you don't really know what people think and that they could be doing it. It's pretty, it's pretty scary to be honest. Peel Regional Police say they're exhaustively investigating all leads to determine both the source and validity of the threats. Meanwhile... So we will have visible police officers in cruisers at each of the uh, schools, not within the school, but around the schools. The high school sent emails home to parents last week. Well, I've been paranoid pretty much the whole week. These are child who never wants to miss a minute of school, and me having to tell them today I'm too terrified to send you, so I'm breaking down. And in a statement to CTV News today, the public board said our school staff, the school board security staff, the school board school support staff, and local police are working collaboratively to ensure the safety of our students and staff and safety plans have been put into place. Meanwhile, a community bulletin from the Catholic board today highlights safety measures it will implement the rest of the week, which will include private security officers, on-site police presence, controlled access to and from school buildings, and they're also asking students to bring their lunches to minimize movement into and out of the properties. I'm not going to school. I'm not going to school. Safety measures notwithstanding, many kids say they'll be taking their own precautions. Uh, to be honest, I feel like no one should really come to school. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a serious thing. I'm still thinking I'm probably not going to come, though. The threatened schools include Holy Name of Mary, Louise Arbor, St. Thomas Aquinas, Notre Dame, Chinkuzi and Ascension of Our Lord. Appeal Regional Police say they were first made aware of this issue last week Thursday, but hunting down the source of an online threat like this is very intricate, involved work and can be very time-consuming. Reporting live, I'm Janice Golding. Now back to Michelle. Thank you, Janice. And there were tense moments for students and staff at a Toronto high school today. Jarvis Collegiate near Jarvis and Wellesley was briefly placed into lockdown over gun concerns. Police say they received a call shortly after 1.30 that, that a student, had said he had a firearm. After an investigation, police say no weapon was found and there was no threat to the school. No word at this time if any charges will be laid. There have been eight consecutive interest rate hikes in the past year, but today Canada Central Bank hit the pause button. As expected, the key overnight rate is being held at 4.5%. That's so the Bank of Canada can assess the impact of its monetary policy to this point. But we certainly could see more rate hikes as efforts continue to lower inflation. The next decision will be made on April 12th. 
And the pause on interest rate hikes comes at a time when a trip to the grocery store continues to cost Canadians more. The federal government is calling on the largest grocery chains to be more transparent about why they are making so much money. CTV's Raheem Ladani joins us live with more on that. Raheem. Well, Michelle, for the first time, we're actually hearing from the CEOs themselves of some of Canada's top grocers. They're testifying before a House of Commons committee and say their record profits amid high inflation are not from price-gouging customers. Walking through grocery store aisles, Canadians remain frustrated with the sticker shock of food, begging the question. Who has the power in the industry? Grocers. They do. Grocery prices in January were up 11.4% compared to a year ago. That's nearly double the overall rate of inflation, which was 5.9% that month. Well, it's certainly true that input costs are going up for grocery store chains, but that doesn't mean you can't make money. The CEOs operating Canada's largest grocery store chains, including Loblaws, Sobeys and Metro, are having to answer to members of the House of Commons about their profits. ...are not profiting from inflation. It doesn't matter how many times you say it, write it or tweet it. It is simply not true. The truth is we are at the end of a very long food supply chain that has economic inputs at every step and stage. Food prices have increased 25 times faster than profits. And at Loblaw, none of those profits came from higher food margins. Loblaw is much more than a grocer. Non-grocery products like financial services, apparel, and importantly, Shoppers Drug Mart, make up more than half our business. Grocery executives insist their increased bottom line have been driven by non-food items, such as pharmacy, cosmetic, and clothing products. I think that's a plausible explanation. What would be great would be to see that borne out in the actual figures. NDP leader Jagmeet Singh also took part in grilling the grocery brass, an unusual move for a federal party leader. We have families going into your stores, looking at the price of items, looking at them and putting them back because they can't afford them. We have families that are struggling to buy food for their kids in this country, in a G7 country. And they look at you and they see you making record profits. How can you justify that? when families are struggling to put food on the table for their kids. According to experts, grocery chains in the United States typically post profit margins close to 2%, roughly half of what their Canadian counterparts report. If there was more competition, they say, grocery prices would come down. It just gives more options to consumers and it makes the businesses chase your dollar harder and that typically lower prices. At a time, Canadians are counting every cent. Now, this House of Commons committee cannot compel these companies to release more information about their financials. However, the Competition Bureau is looking into improving competition in Canada's grocery sector and will release its findings in June. Reporting live, I'm Raheem Ladani. Michelle, I'll send it back to you. Thanks, Raheem. Well, today's interest rate decision impacts mortgage holders and those trying to qualify for one. Real estate insiders say it could bring some relief for renters. John Pasalis of Realosophy Realty expects rent prices to plateau as people return to the housing market. He tells BNM Bloomberg interest rate hikes have hit tenants especially hard and prices are reaching the limits of what people can afford. James Carniello with Royal LePage says he also expects the interest rate hold will help renters, but a lack of supply will keep prices elevated. Toronto police have shared photos of a suspect vehicle after a crash in North York left a pedestrian badly hurt. At around 7.30 at night on February 27th, police say a 63-year-old woman 
was crossing Dufferin Street at Kennard Avenue, south of Overbrook. They say a dark-colored SUV hit her, and she was dragged for some time before falling on the road. The victim was rushed to a trauma center with serious injuries. Anyone with information or video relating to the incident is asked to contact traffic services. Toronto police are trying to identify a man in what investigators say was an unprovoked attack on the TTC. They say he repeatedly sprayed another man in the face with a pepper spray-like substance on the subway between Donlands and Greenwood stations. The incident was reported on the evening of February 28th. Police do not believe the two men knew each other. Well, some may call it a daredevil stunt. Police, however, say it's little more than a dangerous prank. Either way, authorities want to find the person at the center of this next story. They're the subject of a bizarre sighting along the QEW early this morning. CTV's Austin Delaney has the details. The video is nothing less than horrifying. A man seemingly just standing on the back bumper of a tractor trailer riding at highway speed along the QEW. Everything was going through my mind. I was like, is there like a doll on the back of this truck that they've decided to do it as a joke and it just looks like really human. It was Avery Hood in Oakville taking the video, not quite believing what she was seeing. I'm staring at it and I was just going, like, n not even, like, paraphrasing, going, what? 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 Like, just kind of, like, in shock at that moment, which is when I decided to, like, start filming. And then I was just kind of like, do I call? the police about this like I don't know but then I immediately thought no this man is about to like fall off this truck the video shocked even veteran police officers I've never seen anything like this uh, this is unbelievably dangerous uh, deadly and and really this driver who's going down the road has no idea there's someone attached to the back of his trailer and this person has no idea where he's going he, he could have been on that back of that truck for hours until they got the got to the border you know five six hours later and uh, I don't know if he'd be able to Hang on that long. The truck had been on the road for about half an hour. The overnight temperatures around minus five. He seemed very still and calm and content with being on the back of this truck on the highway. It was the other drivers who got the trucker's attention. As I'm driving past this truck, I see other cars start to pull in front of this truck to, in, an, in an attempt to slow it down. And likely save the man's life. I don't know how that person was actually standing on that step with really nothing to hold on to. Going down the road at highway speed, one bump, one sudden change of movement, uh, and he's going off that back rail, and he's going to land on the highway in front of traffic. Like, this is absolutely deadly and dangerous. Once the truck came to a stop, the unwanted stowaway bolted into the dark of the night. Austin Delaney, CTV News. And here's a live look at the city tonight. Temperature is taking a slight dip today. Better keep your winter coats handy for a while longer and your shovels too. Michelle Jobins here with a look at the current conditions. Michelle. Well, yes, Nathan, you know, it did feel quite chilly, especially because of the winds that we experienced today out of the north or northwest, up to 50 kilometers an hour at times. We did get up to a high of three degrees at the island airport, one degree downtown, but it felt cooler than that. The good news was sunshine. Not a lot to show you here on satellite radar because we had mostly clear skies and we continue to do so. So right now around the region, somewhere between minus one and plus two, we're doing pretty close to our normals for this time of the year, even though it has been cooler. But right now, current winds at 30 kilometers an hour sustained at Pearson Airport out of the northwest. Gusts have died down for the moment and they will continue to do so through the overnight. So one degree right now at the island, zero at Pearson, feeling like minus five, an overnight low of minus for feeling like minus nine with a few clouds. I'll be back to tell you more about that snow you mentioned, Nathan, coming up in the full forecast. Back to you. All right, thanks, Michelle.
New evidence tonight further highlighting the grim state of our health care system. The province's fiscal watchdog says the Ford government needs to spend more on health care now to prevent an already buckling system from collapsing in the future. Queen's Park reporter Siobhan Morris joins us live. Siobhan, how is the government reacting? Well, Michelle, on the one hand, the government is pushing this report aside, with the other sort of holding it up as an example of how things need to change. The premier repeated a lot of stats about nurses and beds that have been added in the system, but didn't have answers about how the government might fill the gaps identified in this report. Attempts to improve health care in Ontario may be more pie in the sky than plan without a cash infusion. A report from the Financial Accountability Office finds Ontario will be short more than $21 billion to keep health care promises in the next five years. Not only is there a funding shortfall, but there's also a, uh, there will be a, a capacity shortfall as well. Peter Weltman doesn't see how the government can keep its pledge to free up 7,000 hospital beds, more than half of them new. A bed in our, in our calculation is a bed that's actually staffed and used. So that is the reason why we don't think they're going to get to that number because they so far haven't allocated enough funding to fund those, the operation of those beds. Barring major changes, Ontario may have less health system space in a few years than it did before the pandemic. At an education announcement, the Premier emphasized record spending by his government. We gave the nurses a $5,000 bonus last year. We gave the PSWs a $3 uh, increase. So we're, we're throwing everything in the kitchen sink at healthcare. Even with incentives to train, accredit and retain more medical staff, the budget watchdog projects Ontario will be short 33,000 nurses and personal support workers to meet our needs by 2028. We're going to fill the pipeline with as many uh, students that want to become nurses and give back to the community and the healthcare. Uh, situation. The opposition calls the report devastating. And another example of how this government, uh, despite you know making all these promises and releasing all these plans, isn't actually funding them properly and has created a crisis. Is it incompetence? Is it mismanagement? Is it neglect? I'm, I, we are literally running out of adjectives. They're waiting to see what moves the government makes in its budget out March 23rd. Now, the government does have an agreement in principle with the federal government to fund health care over the next decade. But the premier is still pushing the feds to do more, especially on files like long term and home care. Reporting live, I'm Siobhan Morris. Nathan, back to you. Right. Thank you, Siobhan. The Ford government is making a pitch to Ontario teens and their families. Begin a skilled trade apprenticeship instead of finishing high school and you can still get your diploma. We need workers to build at an unprecedented speed. These careers in the skilled trades are fantastic opportunities waiting for our young people. The province says students in grade 11 will be able to transition to a full-time skilled trades apprenticeship program. Upon receiving their certificate of apprenticeship, workers can apply for their secondary school diploma as mature students. The Premier's office says it's also considering lowering entry requirements for some skilled trades that require a grade 12 education. Demonstrations and events were happening around the world today to mark International Women's Day and to highlight unfinished equity work. Here at home, women's health was the focus of one such event. CTV's Beth McDonnell reports. 
thinking back and looking forward on International Women's Day. From in-person celebrations to intimate conversations, it's a connection across borders. For me, it's a, it's a global event, really, um, and truly embracing just women around the world. And it's really one of those great equalizers. We can all come together and just celebrate women, you know, regardless of where you are. This year, the Women for Women's Gala and fundraiser for Women's College Hospital explores women's health and equity. Sharon Newman is one of the speakers. When she was 40 years old, she took part in a study at the hospital, which saved her life. I'm excited to share my story and, and you know, let everyone know the connection between research and saving lives. But I'm also really excited to get up on that stage and speak my story. And there's something empowering about that. 900 people have gathered in this room. Beyond celebrating the past accomplishments of women, this day is also about building momentum. In the corporate world, having more women in senior leadership is still a fight. There are other types of programs beyond mentorship, like women's sponsorship, um, that you know really help elevate women and, and sort of support them um, in their career. Beyond just this is what you could do, but you know we are endorsing you. While women's health care is focused on meeting the needs of diverse patients. It is about the intersection of gender um, with race, um, black, indigenous women, uh, trans women, gender non-conforming people. Um, that's where we're really seeing the gap. Access to care has to be equitable. And you know, if you help women get access to care, then they're able to help their families and communities, and then everybody benefits. The benefits of this day, working towards building a better future. Hopefully we're able to get to a point soon where we don't have to have one day to celebrate women. We should be celebrating women every day. Inspired by women before them, continuing to make progress. Beth McDonnell, CTV News. And as we mark International Women's Day, a reminder of the work that still needs to be done. An alarming new survey suggests two-thirds of younger women in Ontario are living with a mental health condition. That's coming up. After more than 14 years as an MP, Mark Garneau is moving on. Although my gaze will remain on the future, as it always has, I hope that you, the young people of this country, will fashion that future and protect our democracy. Now it's time for me to go. It's been an honour serving my country alongside all of you. Thank you and farewell. The Quebec Liberal is resigning his seat. The former astronaut told his family last fall he would leave politics after tabling the final report from a committee he chaired on medical assistance in dying. As the world honors the achievements of women today, two influential leaders met in Ottawa this morning. Governor General Mary Simon welcomed the president of the European Commission to Rideau Hall. International relations was the focus of the discussion on the final day of Ursula von der Leyen's trip to Canada. It also included a speech to Parliament and a visit to CFB Kingston. Von der Leyen now heads to Washington. Nunavut and the Northwest Territories are joining nine Canadian provinces in banning TikTok on government-issued devices. There are growing concerns among Western nations that users' data is being shared with the Chinese government. Could they use TikTok to control data on millions of users? Uh, yes. In Washington, a Senate committee heard from top intelligence officials today. The FBI director told lawmakers the Chinese-owned app screams of security concerns and could be used to drive narratives dividing Americans over Taiwan or other issues. 
Meanwhile, the prime minister is facing new allegations related to Chinese interference in our federal elections. And that has led to more questions about what he knew and when. CTV's Annie Bergeron-Oliver reports. Try as he might to change course, the Prime Minister was bombarded with more questions today after fresh allegations surfaced about China's alleged efforts to interfere in Canadian elections. This government has always taken it extremely seriously. And to be quite honest, I know that no matter what I say, Canadians continue to have questions about what we did and what we didn't. The Prime Minister refused to answer specific questions about the security briefings he's received. But in question period, he denied the Chinese government funded any political candidate. As both myself and the NSIA stated last fall, we have no information on any federal candidates receiving money from China, and that continues to remain the case. Sure, sure. A claim the Conservative leader doesn't believe. Well, that, is, that is impossible because not only did his own department prepare a briefing for him, which said that candidates had received funds. So did his own security committee. Today, Global News reported that two high-level memos were prepared for senior government officials before and after the 2019 election that alleged Beijing covertly funded Canadian election candidates. Two intelligence watchdogs are looking into allegations of Chinese interference and a special rapporteur who has yet to be named will investigate the issue and provide recommendations to the government. Given all the information coming forward, it's become really clear the Canadians' trust and confidence in our electoral system is being eroded, and that is a responsibility of the government. A government the opposition parties believe should be launching a full public inquiry. We've traditionally in this country used public inquiries when there have been material subjects of controversy. And I, I really have difficulty understanding why the government is so reluctant. One of the committees looking into foreign interference will meet tomorrow, and the foreign minister, along with other government officials, will be in the hot seat. Annie Bergeron-Oliver, CTV News, Ottawa. Most of the protests have been peaceful, but there was more sporadic violence in Greece today. The trouble erupted during the biggest display yet of public anger over last month's train collision that killed 57 people. Demonstrators blame the February 20th disaster on years of government neglect and insufficient funding. In France, it was another day of nationwide strikes. Refinery workers, train drivers and many others are protesting the government's plan to raise the retirement age to 64. More than one million people demonstrated yesterday in the biggest show of force yet. In India, Holi is being celebrated, marking the arrival of spring. Millions of people took to the streets for the Hindu festival of colors. Revelers danced, smeared each other with yellow, green and red and exchanged candy. It's also celebrated in Nepal and other nations with large Indian subcontinent populations. Well, there are a lot of people dipping their toes in the waters, but no one is quite ready to take the plunge into Toronto's mayoral race just yet. The list of potential candidates is expanding again tonight. CTV Sean Lethong is at City Hall right now and joins us live. Sean, who's expressing interest now? Well, there are two more candidates, and they're not quite saying whether they're going to be in. One is saying they're definitely going to want to run. The other is saying maybe. The number of people saying they might run for mayor is growing. Councillor Stephen Holliday, the latest to say they're considering a run, but aren't formally in. Because I think there's a great opportunity to go out and talk to people about the issues that are top of mind. 
Holiday is a two-term counselor for Ward 2 Etobicoke Center. He's been a deputy mayor and is the chair of the audit committee. He's also the son of former Etobicoke mayor and conservative MPP Doug Holiday. Stephen Holiday says fiscal responsibility is central to his vision for the city. It's about getting value for every dollar that we take from citizens and proving to people that we use that money wisely to deliver the best possible services. Beyond Holiday, councillors Josh Matlow and Brad Bradford are considering a run, as is former councillor Anna Bailau, also former police chief Mark Saunders and liberal MPP Mitzi Hunter. And Torontonians need to see someone who represents their interests and there needs to be a voice for the voiceless and I'm here to do that. Criminal defense lawyer Anita Singh says he's planning to make his third attempt at the mayor's office. Of this year's budget, he would do things differently. I would actually analyze the TTC and the police budget because they're both over a billion dollars. They both are heavily resourced, but the services aren't up to the standards that Toronto needs. Saying he would reallocate some of the police budget to crime prevention and run subways 24 hours. Of the other potential candidates, runner-up in the last election, Gil Panalosa, has said he will run, as has former councillor Rob Davis and previous candidate Blake Acton as well. The first day to submit nomination papers is April 3rd, with election day slated for June 29th. So if people think the field seems crowded now, just understand there's a few weeks until candidates actually have to declare, so it could be even more. Reporting live, I'm Sean Lee. Thong Michelle, send it back to you. Thanks, Sean. Coming up, a bark-free dog park. Pet owners ponder signage that popped up at a local green space, digging into the odd off-leash rule. And I'm Pat Foran. Coming up on Consumer Alert, when you rent a car, you'll be asked if you want to pay extra for insurance coverage. A Toronto man refused because he had his own insurance. Now he has to pay $50,000 for a stolen pickup truck. All of my reports, that's just ahead. Partly cloudy tonight, minus 4, feeling like minus 9. Tomorrow, less windy than today, 2 degrees, feeling like minus 1. Lots of sunshine tomorrow. However, as we head into Friday, we have some snow on the way. And for some of us, this will be significant. So I'm going to tell you more about that coming up. When you rent a vehicle, you'll be pitched insurance coverage by the rental company. It can be expensive, and you may or may not need it. You already might have coverage through your own insurance policy or a credit card, but you need to check carefully to be sure. Pat Foran explains why on Consumer Alert. Pat. Thanks, Nathan and Michelle. A Toronto man needed to rent a pickup truck and was asked if he wanted to pay extra for insurance. He said no. He thought he had the proper coverage. But when the truck was stolen, he now owes the rental company $50,000. Now that it has gone to collections, yeah. a new letter. Thomas Kosh of Toronto needed to rent a truck in December for two weeks for personal use. I was in search of another vehicle at the time, so, uh, you know, I rented a, a, a truck to get around and do what I had to do. He rented a 2022 Ram pickup truck from Enterprise. I do have car insurance on my, my own car, so, you know, I'm just thinking, okay, I have insurance, uh, I'm okay to rent this vehicle. The 2022 Ram has recently been a target for thieves in the GTA. Kosh was shocked when the truck was taken from his driveway. Just as I was about to bring the rental back, that's when it got, it got stolen the night before. When Kosh rented the truck, he was asked if he wanted to pay for additional insurance coverage, but he said he had his own insurance. But he only had liability coverage, not collision and not comprehensive, so he's not covered for theft. Now Kosh has been told he owes almost $50,000 for the stolen truck, and he's expected to pay up. They want $50,000 out of my own pocket. 
Enterprise said customers are responsible for damage or theft and told CTV News, Mr. Kosh did not elect to use any of our additional coverage options and his personal insurance was not sufficient to cover the loss of the vehicle. Kosh is insured with the cooperators who said consumers renting a vehicle should contact their insurance company to understand if their coverage extends to the rental. I feel awful for him. Thomas's mother, Diane, feels terrible her son is on the hook for the stolen truck. I don't want it to ruin his credit rating. He's still a young man, like he may want to buy his own home one day. Kosh has been offered a payment plan of $2,500 a month, but says he's not sure how he can repay the $50,000. A little bit of panic. You can't just throw a number like that at somebody and expect them to pay and if you buy insurance from the rental company, you should be covered for most things that could happen. But if you use your own insurance policy or a credit card, there could be deductibles and limitations. So it's important to check. On your side, I'm Pat Foran. If you have a consumer story idea, email us at alert at ctv.ca. There's been a growing issue underfoot at a downtown green space, or should we say under paw? The city is trying to debark a tiny park for dogs, and the move has caused some fur to fly. Here's our Andrew Brennan to explain. Tua is appropriately named. She's two and a half, loves to play, wrestle, and chase. She also can get a little excited at times. <laughs> which is a no-no, according to new signs put up at St. Andrew's Playground near Spadina in Adelaide, telling owners do not allow your dogs to bark and disturb the neighborhood. But many dog owners in the neighborhood say the sign itself is disturbing. Like, it's part of living in a city. You have noise. It's like asking the streetcars to be quiet. And it's no different than, like, kids playing at a park. Kyla Krause says between lack of green space and weight limits and condos for dogs like Miles, the city is barking up the wrong tree. There needs to be dog parks. Like, we live in, in downtown Toronto. This is, like, accessible for them to, like, run and play. And, she says, bark. Like his namesake, R2-D2 likes to roll around. His owner, Nate Long, is more the Spock type questioning the logic of such a sign in a dog park. How do you tell a balloon not to float away? How do you tell a rock not to drop when you drop it? It's, uh, it's quite impossible. It's a little ridiculous. Less than a day after the signs were discovered, city staff came by to remove them. A city spokesperson says the idea was to ensure harmonious living, but... We recognize, they say, that the information did not meet the mark. The city will be reviewing its sign approval process to ensure clear communication in future signs. The very fact that they took it out in a day shows how useless the sign was. But not all owners are against the idea. Minimize the noise around the neighborhood and also to, uh, to, to let our dogs to be uh, better behaved. The city says dog owners need to be mindful of the noise from their furry friends and people should approach owners before calling 311. There is no specific bylaw in place for barking, but there is a fine for persistent loud noise, up to $500. Andrew Brennan, CTV News.
Well, no doubt the dogs were barking with excitement mm -hmm. today at the glorious weather out there. Yeah, I think it's, uh, if you're wearing a jacket, pretty good weather to walk the dog. Yeah, a little breezy yeah. at times, certainly, but lots of sunshine. And we're getting closer and closer to spring, of course. Yes. Clocks spring forward this weekend, this Sunday at 2 a.m. So, um, you know, we're getting into most days where our temperature's over zero, which is very nice. But we had to factor in a little wind chill today. We did have the sunshine, which was very nice. And if you liked today, there's more of the same minus the wind on the way tomorrow, but we have some snow to talk about which will be significant for some of us weather is brought to you by train the most reliable heating and cooling brand it's hard to stop a train so temperature wise we're not doing too badly right now we're at zero feeling like minus six and i mentioned that winds were subsiding certainly not as high gusts that we were seeing early this morning when they were close to about 50 kilometers an hour if not at that or over right now zero feeling like minus six in the city of toronto we're still going to have a flow of air generally out of the north and northwest over the next little while and as we get into our lows through the overnight period minus four feeling like minus nine winds will be in some cases 20 kilometers an hour closer to 15 as we get into tomorrow so really right where we should be Pretty pleasant night, dry conditions out there on the roads. And as we get into tomorrow, what we're looking at is a high of 2 degrees. Normal for this time, a seasonable high would be three degrees. So really that's where we are. And we do have a lot of sunshine, especially to start the day here in the GTA. As we head a little bit further to the north, and I'll show you this on our forecast radar, we have a little bit more cloud cover and certainly more cloud cover in advance of a system that's going to be a weather maker for us for Friday. So satellite and the radar imagery showing us those mostly clear skies. But if I get out of the way here, you can see the, the advancing system from the southwest that's going to be bringing us snowfall. The good news is if you're in the GTA and you don't want snow, we're not going to get as much here in the city of Toronto, maybe in northern or western sections of the GTA. But as this moves in, it's certainly going to bring more cloud cover with it. We're going to have a bit of a gustier day on Friday because of it. But I'm going to put our forecast radar in motion. You can see mostly clear skies overnight, a little bit more cloud cover building in overnight at times. As we get into the day tomorrow, clear, especially along the shores of Lake Ontario and Lake Erie. And then Thursday, a little bit more cloud cover building in later in the day. And as we get into Friday, the system moves in. Southwestern Ontario going to see that early in the morning. Hamilton probably around 10 or 11. Toronto getting into the afternoon. However, this is not going to be as much of an event for Toronto. 10 to 15 centimeters if you're in Windsor, London, Hamilton, the Niagara region. Special weather statement has been issued for you. Not here if you're in Toronto or in Peel or in Halton over towards York or Durham. So tomorrow we have that sunshine, partly cloudy at times, 2 degrees, then 2, minus 2 overnight, 1 degree that light still moves in, 2 to 4 centimeters for Toronto, more to the south Southwest. Minus one is the high Saturday, Sunday, looking nice for the weekend. Uh, zero and one degrees, respectively. And then we're a little bit cooler to start the week next week. Back to you, Nathan. All right. Thanks, Michelle. Also tonight, mental health among young women. An alarming new survey sheds light on the extent of those living with mental health conditions and the challenges accessing support. It's what experts are calling an alarming trend across the province. A new study finds that two-thirds of women between the ages of 18 to 35 are living with a mental health condition. Our health reporter Pauline Chan has the details. The survey released on International Women's Day shows a disturbingly high number of Ontario residents say they are living with a mental health condition. 
44%. About half of those are diagnosed illnesses and half are undiagnosed. And the rate is even higher among young women age 18 to 35. 32% say they have a diagnosed mental health problem, while 34% believe they have a condition that has not yet been diagnosed. That's a total of 66% or two-thirds. 18 to 35, that's the time when young women are starting to think about big decisions. Are they going to be having a family? What kind of career? They're facing financial pressures, and we know that the socioeconomic status right now is really difficult. And while psychiatrist Dr. Joanna Mansfield says the 66% figure is higher than what other data has shown. The National Institute of Mental Health, for example, cites more of a 25 to 30 percent prevalence. She says young women are a demographic at higher risk for mental health challenges. And DP Sir says women face more challenges than men. Things like discrimination, sexual violence, uh, gender disparity. We've seen lots of issues in wage gap. Everyday things like going to school, going to work, housing. The study also shows 10% of residents tried to access support but were unable to. I would like to let people know that there are certain programs that are called sort of mental health navigating programs to help you find the, the correct services in your area. Mansfield also says telemedicine has helped increase access to services, but the Ontario Association of Social Workers says the survey is a wake-up call that more is needed. Pauline Chan, CTV News. The local star of an Oscar-nominated film is getting ready to head to Los Angeles to take in the festivities surrounding film's biggest night. But Maitreyi Ramakrishnan has a lot more on her mind than parties these days. Our Andrea Case caught up with her earlier this week. And Andrea, she is building quite the resume. She certainly is, Michelle. A very impressive young lady on set and off. In 2019, the Mississauga native was chosen by show creator Mindy Kaling out of 15,000 candidates in an open casting call. And her star continues to rise. I've always wanted a tail. In her first animated voice role, Maitre E. Ramakrishnan co-starred in the film Turning Red. It scored an Academy Award nomination for Best Animated Picture. When I was 10 years old, my dream was to be a Pixar animator, to work, like, work for Pixar. But then I don't have the patience to be an animator. I, I can't like sit down and you know focus. But I did eventually like get that dream of working for Pixar as my first ever animation. Now it just happens that that first ever animation also is Oscar nominated. Like, there's just so much child, like, childhood dreams that are being fulfilled. The Tamil Canadian born and raised in Mississauga will not be attending the Oscar ceremony on Sunday, but will be doing the next best thing. I am going to the Vanity um, after Oscars party, so I get to attend the, the fun times, the aftermath, you know, get to watch what happens on TV while I get ready to then celebrate later. It's a busy life with a reprisal in her lead role in the Netflix series Never Have I Ever, returning for season four, and in between are her midterms. She's almost one-third through her degree in human rights and equity studies. Post-secondary is a privilege. Not everyone gets to do it. Also, not everyone needs it. I stand by that as much as I also believe education and knowledge is a superpower. Post-secondary isn't the only way to obtain that superpower. But regardless of that, I do have the privilege to go to post-secondary. And I have the privilege of being able to do what I love, which is act and be creative, be in this industry that I love so much. So why wouldn't I use the other side of my brain that is also passionate about human rights?
popular people age So something else you'd like to do, she'd like to also write and direct one day, and of course, one day have her own production company so she can come up with creative ideas and put them into action. Uh, one of the things she's working on these days is a new version of Pride and Prejudice called the Netherfield Girls. So a lot on her plate. I wish her all the best in her studies. Reporting live, I'm Andrea Case for CTV News. Stars Tonight is brought to you by Lastman's Bad Boy. Who's better? Nobody. After the break, an icy close call. A driver finds out the hard way what happens when people don't clear the snow from their ride before hitting the road. The community will notice a visible police presence at each of these schools. Updating our top stories, Peel police are increasing their presence at six high schools in Mississauga and Brampton amid an ongoing investigation into online threats against the schools. The threats were first reported last week with claims of planned shootings. Yeah, certainly a very dangerous behavior, something that we don't ever want to see. The OPP is investigating a video which shows a man clinging to the back of a transport truck's trailer as it was driving on the QEW. The man ran off after the truck stopped. Today, dear sisters, should be about reflection and determination to do better, but it should also be a celebration. Events are being held right across the globe to mark International Women's Day. The day aims to highlight issues facing women, including gender equity, reproductive rights, violence, and abuse. On the mark is the Lulee lost 22 basis points to 72.50 U.S. American oil slid 92 cents to 76.66 a barrel. And the TSX gained nearly 71 points to close the day at 20,346. A shocking example tonight of the dangers of not clearing away the snow and ice from your vehicles before driving off. Here's CTV's Tyler Fleming with one man's brush with disaster. It is a terrifying scene Daryl Wyland barely saw coming. You put your head down and uh, you don't have time to say this is it. On Monday, while driving his commercial truck along Highway 417, a large sheet of ice broke loose from the truck ahead and smashed through his windshield. You're thinking in a microsecond and then all of a sudden it's, you know, it's hit and uh, you're, uh, you're still there. Just how big and thick it actually really was. Wyland, shocked and covered in shards of glass, was able to safely pull over. It didn't really dawn on me exactly what had happened until once I got home later on. During this time of year, fluffy snow in warmer weather can quickly turn to ice when the temperature drops at night. But no matter the conditions, police say all motorists must brush off their vehicles before hitting the road. If that ice hits the car and back you, could cause a collision, you can cause injuries to someone else in another vehicle. You can obviously injure pedestrians. Flying ice is a threat police take seriously. Last month along Highway 401, a truck driver was charged and the same can happen with a snow-covered vehicle. An obstructed window or lights can cost 110 bucks, ice covered 130, and for commercial vehicles, that fine triples. But you know what? Mother Nature can be responsible for a lot of things too. Wyland is thankful no one was hurt in the incident and does not place blame. Instead, wants to remind motorists to be cautious. And be leery of the conditions that are around you, your surroundings around you. What could actually be there might actually be there because it can be there. Tyler Fleming, CTV News. Just ahead, digging into prehistoric killing machines at the Raw. The infamous T-Rex in the spotlight, offering astonishing insights into the ultimate predator. 
Hi, Michelle and Nathan. On the next CP24 Breakfast, we'll have a superhero in our midst. Shazam himself, Zachary Levi, will be stopping by to talk about the latest movie in the superhero franchise. It's Shazam Fury of the Gods. And the 17th season for Toronto FC is already underway, but Saturday is the team's home opener. And we want to send a couple of lucky CP24 viewers. We'll be giving away some tickets. You don't want to miss tomorrow's show. We are up first at 5 a.m. A new exhibit at the Royal Ontario Museum may change your perception of one of the world's best-known dinosaurs. The Tyrannosaurus rex was a massive meat-eater, but it may also have been a bit more fuzzier than originally thought. CTV's Scott Lightfoot makes that reports. It may be the most recognizable dinosaur in the world, but a new exhibit at the Royal Ontario Museum might have you looking at the Tyrannosaurus rex a little differently. We're all used to seeing big mounted skeletons like the one behind me, but this exhibit uses uh, full-size life reconstructions. Using large-scale, scientifically accurate models from the American Museum of Natural History, you can now see exactly how scientists believe the fearsome carnivore actually looked. They're different than our traditional view of, of T-Rex and other tyrannosaurs. We know from discoveries in China that the uh, early members of the superfamily Tyrannosauria had filamentous protofeathers, so almost like dino fuzz. And we think that it's possible that T-Rex and its close Tyrannosaurid relatives may have also retained some of these filamentous protofeathers. From fresh out of the egg to its development years, all the way to full-grown adulthood. It is a new look at the life cycle of a dinosaur first discovered more than 120 years ago. In the last 30 years, we've learned more about T-Rex um, than we have in the previous 100. Much of that research comes from right here at home. More Tyrannosaur fossils have been collected in Canada probably than any other place in the world. The exhibit features the latest dinosaur bones found by Rom staff in Alberta, as well as this T-Rex skull found by people fishing back in 1980. This is the first real Tyrannosaurus Rex skull that's ever been exhibited in Toronto. There are interactive exhibits too, something for dino lovers of any age. Even if you think you know a lot about T-Rex, you're going to learn something from this exhibition. T-Rex, the ultimate predator, opens to the public on Saturday. Scott Lightfoot, CTV News. All right, sounds good. Let's start with the forecast. Snow on the way? Uh, a little bit for Friday. T-Rex will need its, its furry it's coat fur, for, the, it's uh, for the overnight. <laughs> uh, minus four, feeling like minus nine tonight. But let's take a look at the seven-day forecast because uh, it is Friday that we're looking at that does have some significant snow for some of us, especially if you're in Hamilton, Niagara, or southwestern Ontario. We will likely see about two to four centimeters here in the city of Toronto. But the track is still not fully defined. We'll know more tomorrow, but expect some snow, especially for your evening commute. And a reminder about the new lot 649 with two big jackpots to be won on one ticket. Tonight's classic jackpot is five million dollars and the new gold ball jackpot is 42 million dollars. You can head to olg.ca for more information. Thank you Michelle and that's it for us. Be sure to join Omar Satchadina tonight at 11 for CTV National News followed by Zoraida Allman with our next local newscast at 1130. In the meantime our coverage continues anytime on CP24 and online at ctvnewstoronto.ca. For Michelle Jobin and all of us here at CTV News, thank you for watching and have a great night.